Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. All right. There was a couple who was having some marital problems, and they went to see a marriage counselor. And after a few visits and a lot of questions and a lot of listening, the counselor felt like he had really discovered the main problem. He stood up. He went over to the woman. He asked her to stand. He gave her a huge embrace and put a smack right on her lips. And then he looked at the man and he says, your wife needs that at least three times a week. The man frowned and he opened a book and a second later he looked up and he said, all right, I've checked my calendar and I can bring her on Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturday mornings. <laughs> now, <laughs> a German group of psychologists, physicians, listen, and insurance companies cooperated on a research project designed to find the secret to long life and success. In the process, they made a surprising discovery. The secret? Kiss your wife each morning when you leave for work. Uh, the meticulous German researchers discovered that men who kiss their wives every morning have fewer automobile accidents on their way to work than men who admit the morning kiss. They also discovered that good morning kissers miss less work because of sickness. And good morning kissers earn 20 to 30% more money than non-kissers. So it pays to be a kisser in the morning. All right. So... Coach John Wooden, you know, all you, you basketball fans, you know of John, UCLA coach, had 10 national championships in 12 years, unheard of, and seven in a row. Now, every year, he would take his team and the recruits, and he would start the same way. He would go, these are socks, and this is how you put on your socks so you do not get blisters, and these are shoes. And this is how you put on your shoes and tie your shoes so that they don't slide and you never have them untie and you trip during a game. You know what he did? He went to the basic, basic basics. And how many of you know sometimes we're looking for some super secret new thing, but what we need is the basics, all right? And we are really in the basics when it comes to marriage. The four laws of marriage that God gives in Genesis chapter 2. The first one being the law of pursuit. We looked at that. That under God, after God, our number one relationship in life is our spouse. Not our kids, not our friends. Um, our number one priority is our spouse. Not our job, not our hobbies, nothing else. But today, we're going to be looking not at the law of priority, but at the law of of pursuit, the second law of marriage, Genesis 2, verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, shall cleave, cleave to his wife, to his spouse, and they shall become one flesh. A definition of that word cleave is to keep on chasing or pursuing, to grab on with all of your energy and passion and not let Go. That just makes me want to hug you. Good. All right. <laughs> just just make it hard to speak, but this will be good. All right. So now listen, what you need to do, this is what the Bible's saying, is you, you need to keep on working on your marriage. You need to keep on pursuing your spouse. Now, we have this idea that marriage is just going to happen, that it's just going to be easy. All right. But the truth is this. Marriage works 
only to the level that you work at your marriage. And marriage is not always easy, especially in difficult times. And we've got a short video testimony that we'd like you to just take a look at. Our son Foster, from the time he was 10 months old to the time he was five years old, every day of his life, he was riddled with seizures. When he was five years old, he was able to have uh, brain surgery and from that surgery became seizure free. And I think when all of these crises were happening, we were definitely out of orbit with each other. We managed the crisis, but what was left in our wake was a distance and a separation that was growing between us. And in the absence of a crisis, temptation came in. My career opportunities for advancement uh, and promotion came, and with it came greater responsibility and more time away from home. I started to find a friendship in another uh, woman. We had an affair and was trying to feed and recover the love that I didn't feel like I was getting from Kim. The announcement of being separated was a shock to me. I think that Eric had kind of emotionally divorced me before he even came to me and said that we wanted to separate just because he had been dealing with all these emotions and I wasn't privy to those emotions until the announcement. I came to Res largely because I was looking for a place where I could be and learn and grow about God without having to face uh, what it was that I was leaving. I was looking for a place to hide. I think it's exactly where God wanted me because it was here for the first time that I began to learn about God in that format and the praise and worship slowly started to break down the walls that uh, had built up around my heart and around our relationship. And so our divorce was nearly finalized. Papers just needed to be signed. And in a private time driving from one side of the state to the other, I was heavily in prayer. He asked me, do you want all of me? And I said, yes. So he said, go home. And so I did go home. We started working on our relationship together and that's what brought Kim to Rez. That was the first time that I really realized that I kind of had things a little bit backwards. I went to God when I needed something or when I wanted him to fix something, but there wasn't truly a relationship there with him. And I found at this church that I could actually have him be my friend. Um, he was my father. As we thought about our 20th year, having gone through the process of reconciliation and approach our 20-year wedding anniversary, uh, we felt compelled to uh, mark the occasion. And we decided to commemorate that with uh, a vow renewal. It not only signified a big wedding milestone, but it also signified that we are renewed. We learned throughout the process of reconciling that love is a choice. And with God's help, we made that choice. And having him a part of our marriage has been an integral part in making this work. Yeah. In it. What, all, what often happens is we work really hard to attract a spouse. And then once we've attracted that person, uh, we get in the relationship and then we stop working at the relationship. But marriage is a lot like the muscles in our body. If you exercise regularly, right, your body becomes strong and attractive. But if you just lay around and don't exercise, your body becomes weak and unattractive. Now, the same thing is true about marriage. 
If you just lay around and you don't work at your marriage, it becomes weak and it becomes unattractive. Now, I can hear some people saying, well, you know, I just don't know. I just think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to get a divorce and get on with my life. Now, listen, this is what happens. Those people who get a divorce, they don't want to stay single. So then what do they do? They start to work. They work really hard to attract another spouse. Right? I'm thinking about somebody that, that uh, we met, and this person got a divorce. Then they lost 50 pounds. You say, well, well, they wanted to attract another spouse. I thought, why didn't you just do that in the first place? Why don't you put that much effort into saving your relationship? Right? Because marriages need work in order to be great. Right? They don't just simply happen. And the only way to get rid of a problem right, for good is to solve it. Not ignore it and not divorce it. Right? If you really want to get rid of it, you need to solve it. And so often what the problem is, is we just get lazy when it comes to our relationship. Right? And you can't do it and have a great relationship. Right? It's human nature to work hard to secure the affection of a spouse, of a potential spouse, and then become lazy afterwards. Guys, you would shower. You'd clean the car. You'd drive really safe. You were on your best behavior, and you won their affection. And then you get married, and you stop. Listen, couples walk down the aisle and they say, I do, but they mean I quit. I quit doing all of those things that I did to attract this spouse. All right. But what the Bible says is that's not time to quit. That's time to turn up the notch. Turn it up a few notches. The Bible says cleave. Right? It says you need to passionately pursue your spouse. Keep doing the things that you did in the beginning. In Revelation, when Jesus said, you've left your first love, he says, repent, change your mind, listen, and do the first works. Do what you did in the beginning, All right? And that's true in a marriage relationship. You say, the passion's not there. Well, then quit doing what you're doing and do what you used to do. Get back to work on that relationship, All right? And what will happen? The passion comes back into the relationship. When, when he says, work at it, work at it, work at it, it may sound like, well, no fun. Oh, that doesn't fun. sound like fun at all. If it's a lot of work, you know, maybe I'd just be better off not marrying and playing around and doing it the way I can do it without any commitment, and then I won't have to work. But it, it, it is just the opposite. It's the kind of work that's fun. Do you guys know... I don't know how many of you went to the Michigan Mud Adventure Race thing that we had here, and that was grueling work. I mean, to go through that obstacle course and carry the sandbags and climb the rope, rope ladder. ladders and slither underneath the wires in the mud, and they came out just covered with mud and laughing. They had so much fun. Mm -hmm. So work can be fun, now and if, this is kind of work that will be If you be fun. diligently pursue your spouse with energy and passion, you will quickly find that that labor of love is addicting. It's not hard. It's not grueling. And the truth is, when you do marriage God's way, your marriage will end up blessed as a result. Right? It's, what it's hard on is on, on our selfishness. <laughs> yeah. And, and marriage is very hard on selfish people. Right? But dating, we tend to have a giving mindset. But somehow, after we say, I do, we get into a receiving mindset. Listen, there is no area in life where you can be lazy and do better. 
There is no area in life you can be lazy and do better. And, and that is really accentuated in marriage, where one of the laws that God gives in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 2, is you need to keep pursuing your spouse. Not catch them and forget about it, but you need to keep on pursuing them. Right? There is this misconception about love and romance, that if I marry the right person, my emotions will happen effortlessly throughout the entire marriage. If I just marry the right person, right? You, you have this kind of a thought. If I have to work at my marriage, there must be something wrong. That is a lie. That's a lie. You know, if you don't work at your marriage, you're not going to have a great marriage. Thinking like this. If, if I'm with the right person, I will always have warm fuzzies. I will wake up in the morning and turn and look at them. And I will just have butterflies in my stomach. The truth I, I, I is. I did have that happen. And when we first got married, I'd, I'd look up to kiss him and I'd get dizzy. And, and I was just like, hmm. love was overwhelming me. I thought, oh my goodness, I, every time I try to kiss him, I just about pass out. I don't know if I can survive a married life. <laughs> and, and then we, after several months, we figured out I wasn't yeah. eating enough we went and to the, I was we losing went to the weight. We, serious. Listen, listen. We go to the doctor. Because we think she's got problems. And he says, yeah, you're starving. You only weigh 89 pounds. <laughs> so, Oops. But that's well, another story. We had, to, we had to talk about that on, when we talk about communication someday, all right? <laughs> so, look, look, Hollywood tries to tell you, all right? They, they give you images of happily ever after in that you just need to find the right person and it, you're just going to float through life and marriage and without any effort, there's always going to be these warm, fuzzy feelings. How many of you have noticed that Hollywood has the worst marriages of anybody in America? They cannot stay married. They will spend 10... Oh, that's not... You want to do that? Let me, let me get back to that. All right. They will spend $10 million on a wedding, and six months later, they're divorced. They can't stay married. Why? Because they believe that lie. They believe that lie that if you marry the right person, you don't need to work at it. It's going to be effortless. You're just going to constantly have these feelings. The truth is you're going to wake up someday, you're going to turn over, and there's going to be somebody there with bad breath and bad habits. I think they want to know one of your bad habits that I discovered when we got married, and I really kind of embarrassed him Saturday night, but now he's used to it. So, um, But when we first got married, and I grew up in a household of girls. I had a little brother, but, um, you know, he had to stay in line. And so I wasn't used to this. And when we got married, he turned to tell me he loved me, and all the bubbles in his stomach came up, and it was this big burp. And, and I thought, well, that's a mistake. Well, then he just kept burping lots. <laughs> well, not and on just purpose. This, no, not, <laughs> he said not on purpose. But, and I, that was the first thing. I tried to reform him and, and to teach him, you know, you don't have to burp. And he says, well, then it'll, my ears will explode or whatever. Anyway, and just... So finally, when the, the funny part of the story is that I never did reform him. And when, when I got pregnant with my first baby and everyone thereafter, something about uh, sleeping and with the baby growing and whatever, I, the first thing I did when I sat up 
in every, bed. Every morning. The air would come up and it'd be... Bleh. It wasn't and a so belt. It was even, a beautiful belt. It wasn't ladylike <laughs> at all. It wasn't ladylike. And I would try to, to like slide, roll off and slide on the floor and crawl to the bathroom, shut the door and then stand up. And then it would come up and he would hear from the other room and, and wake up yeah, and yeah. laugh. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> First Corinthians 7. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. If you get married, there's going to be some things that you need to work out. And people with great marriages, listen, it's not that they never had troubles. It's that they work through them, right? And it's really important that we give ourselves, that we pursue with passion our spouse. Keep them the number one priority in your life under God. Give quality and quantity time to your spouse. Compliment them. Appreciate them. Proverbs 31, who can find a virtuous wife? Her worth is far above rubies. God says, if you've got a good spouse, you are richer than the person that lives in the biggest house, has the most exotic cars, drives the, 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 uh, drives the exotic cars, takes the most exotic vacations, no matter what it is. God says, real wealth is not in stuff, it's in relationships, right? He says, appreciate that spouse. Meet your spouse's needs, right? Now, in, in Peter... He's talking to husbands, and he says, live with your wife according to knowledge. And it's actually knowledge about women. Now, there's a number of books on this. The original book came out by Dr. Harley Jr. probably 30 years ago called His Needs, Her Needs. Right? And he talks about the five basic needs of the woman in marriage and then the five top needs of a man in marriage. Now, here's what is so interesting. None of them are the same. All right? In fact, we're going to go through the list here. Won't you help okay, me out, babe? Okay, uh, women's needs, security, financial support. The man's top need is honor and admiration. A woman's need, non-sexual affection. The man's second need inside marriage is sexual fulfillment. Honesty and openness. The man's is a recreational companion. We need conversation. And the man needs a, a wife he finds attractive. We need family commitment and leadership. And he needs domestic support. So, did you notice that none of the needs are the same? So when the, the couple walks down the aisle and they are picturing their marriage, the pictures that they have are totally different. What he's thinking is going to happen and what she's thinking is going to happen, her needs and his needs are completely different. And the Bible literally says to men, find out what your wife's needs are. And meet those needs. Because, I think it's listen, interesting. Just, it tells the, the men to learn about the women. It doesn't tell the women to like study and learn how to take care of your husband. Because so the man is so simple yeah. and they're just so basic. It's and, true. And once it's he gets true. to know me, I'm going to change so that it <laughs> keep life spicy. So he'll have, to, he'll have to learn something new tomorrow. That is the truth. <laughs> Some of you probably read uh, Dr. Laura's book she put out several years ago called The Proper Care and Feeding of Husbands, all right? <laughs> and she just basically says, look, these guys are simple, right? They're really simple. Um, in fact, Jimmy Evans, and, and I'm quoting him, so send him the emails, okay? But, but Jimmy Evans says, to take care of a man, all you need to do if you're the wife is show up naked and bring food. And he'll be happy. <laughs> He will be happy. That's all there is to it. Now, women are much, much more complicated. All right? 
So another misconception, you know, <laughs> if, if my emotions change towards my spouse, I must have married the wrong one. And nothing could be, your, your emotions are always going to be changing, all right? Now, here's how this works. Before you're married, opposites attract. But after you get married, opposites attack. <laughs> right? That very thing that you found, you know, that, that, that drew you to them was, was they were different than you. And you saw that and you went, oh, that's great, that's cool. And then you get married and you got to live with that. All right. Now, here's, here's what we discovered. Jeannie and I, we thought we were the same. We are totally different. About the only thing that we're the same is we both love God, want to pursue God. All right. Other than that, we are different. I mean, Jeannie is spontaneous. All right. There is nothing. Understand this. There is nothing that she sees that she does not want to do. But I don't like to fix the car. Except fix the car. That's it. And I don't either. So we were really in trouble. Okay. <laughs> but she wants to do everything. She wants to try everything. All right. I mean, I, I grew up in the city, you know, in a city lot. She grew up on the farm. So we have had ducks, chicken, geese, organic gardening. I wouldn't let her have a cow and a horse. She wanted those. We have an orchard. She shows. She crochets. She makes butter, cheese, yogurt, kefir, makes clothes, repairs and sews everything, makes drapes. And again, there is nothing she sees she doesn't want to do. Me, I'm the guy. I will go to the same restaurant for a year and order the exact same thing every single time. And I'm happy. You say, why? I know I like it. I know I like it, but she, she, want, she will have something different every time. And then she wants I'm to go to a different you. place. And I'm like, I don't know if I like anything there. He's really telling the truth. He's not kidding. Yeah, I mean. He, when he wants oatmeal for breakfast, you're stuck with oatmeal for breakfast for probably two years. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's true. All right, but what does that mean? Does that, so, so, so with that, do we have conflict? Do we, are we different? Yeah. But it's You're so good for each other. Different. We're so good for each other. Yes. It's so good that he's not just like me. Now I can look back and say, oh, thank God that you are different than me. You have saved me so many times. And, and I've saved him from a life of boredom. That is the truth. It is interesting. <laughs> I mean, new stuff all the time. All right. So, Oh, Can I tell him that um, the one of the times he saved me was when we had first moved up here from Mexico and our son got into kindergarten and they sent home, we're all excited, our first boys in kindergarten in school, and they sent home this list of, of needs that they had for moms to volunteer to help at school. And this is what it said on the paper. It said, what would you like to do? There were so, 30 things, and she checked all 30. I just 30. like, recess? Oh, yeah. Read, uh, proofread books for the library? Yeah, I'd like to do that. Would you like to um, help people after? Yeah, I'd like to do that. Oh, I'd love to help cook and serve. Yeah, I'd like to do that. And, and so then I started getting all of these calls from the different departments. <laughs> and Dwayne's like, what is going on? And he came to my rescue and kind of cleared my slate and helped me. You know, people <laughs> look back. around and they think, man, the grass is just greener over there. You know, if, if that, their spouse, they're just awesome. I just ought to have a spouse like that. I need to get rid of mine, get another one. You know, the grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener where it gets watered. You water your grass, you water your marriage, you will have a great marriage. You know, people think, well, I'm just going to get a divorce. You know, every time you get a divorce and remarry, there's a 10% greater chance that you're going to get another divorce. Again, because you didn't solve the problem. 
you ignored it or you divorce it and you think it's going to go away. It doesn't go away. And for those of you that say today, my marriage is bad. If you stay married five years, there is an 80% chance that you will say, my marriage is good. And if you work at it, that goes up to 100%. That just goes up. I just want to insert here that this sounds really, we can talk about working at it and pursuing and working. And it sounds really good when you both are doing it. I mean, it is a lot easier when he's trying and I'm trying. But there are times when one of you is going to work at it and the other isn't. Maybe because they're just not there yet or maybe because there's other pressures and things happening and you just need to be the one to invest. And to have that thing, you know what? I'm not just working out, okay, if you really love me and you do this and you do, oh, then I can work at it. But... Um, if you don't, well, you know, I'm just going to wait. You don't deserve it to be worked out. People say this all the time, and you have got to decide. My marriage is going to be better because I'm going to invest in it, and mm -hmm. I'm going to do my part to make a difference. And if he doesn't do his part, God will get him. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just because I'm doing, I'm loving True. and serving him and doing it as unto the Lord. And, and that's what makes the difference because if I'm just pouring into his life, to hopefully get something from him and get reward from him. And then when he, if he doesn't meet that need, I can just burn out and quit. But when I'm serving him and, and working and pursuing him and giving to him as unto the Lord, like it says in Colossians, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as unto the Lord and not unto men, for the Lord is the one who rewards you. Then, then even if I'm not immediately rewarded, I, by him, I'll be rewarded by God. And that, that's great inspiration and motivation that, that the good things that you do for each other, you can treat him like you would treat Jesus. And um, men, you can treat that woman like you would a Jesus. You just love them. You, you, you lay your da life down for each other means, means during the good times or the bad times. Yeah. Now, I want to talk about one more misconception. And this is particularly true for us men. Right? We think that a positive event or action should feed our spouse's emotions for a long time. Right? And again, guys are the worst at this. All right? We feel like a big event, right? a big gift should last a long time. Right? I remember several years ago, we went to Australia and stayed at Gold Coast. We stayed in the queue. It's that huge building. We are on the 68th floor. You know, you look down, there's helicopters going below you. You looked out over the ocean, and the whales were coming through. And there's just whales jumping out of the ocean all over. And I am thinking, cha-ching, 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 ching, points, 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 points. All right? Now, this is what I found out. This is the manna principle. All right? The children of Israel are in the desert. There's nothing to eat. So God rains down bread every morning. And he said, go out and pick up a day's worth. He said, but once the sun comes out, he said, it's going to evaporate. He says, then you take that. He says, but don't keep it overnight. He says, because if you keep it overnight, it's going to spoil, rot, and stink. All right? Now, that's how love is. Yesterday's love will not work today. Yesterday's love spoils and stinks tomorrow. Now, I don't care how much you love Jesus. If for 30 days 
You stop going to church. Stop praying. Stop reading your Bible. How many of you know your spiritual relationship is just going to go, it's going to dive? And the same thing is true in our marriages. Yesterday's love is no good today. You try to store up love, store up points, and they will rot and they will stink. Listen, you can give flowers, cards, candy, take her out to dinner, give her jewelry, take her to a non-murder movie. I mean, that's torture, all right? But listen, listen, every point evaporates at midnight. It's gone. You say, but yesterday, it's gone. doesn't matter, all right? You cannot live on yesterday's love, all right? You need, you, you need new. How many of you know his mercies are new every morning, right? Your love needs to be new every single morning. And if you try to live off yesterday's love, you are going to have a stinking relationship. Every day, every day, you cleave, you pursue, you put energy and effort into pursuing your spouse, into building your relationship. I think that you realize if you took a breath one morning that you would have to kind of keep breathing. You don't just breathe in once and say that's good enough for the week. <laughs> you, and, and love is that way. It's a constant, it's life, it's breathing. That's how you breathe into the relationship. You know, with a law of pursuit, if you let anything else become your number one pursuit under God besides your spouse, your marriage is going to suffer. Right? That's just the way that it is. All right? But if you will f- keep the law of priority and the law of pursuit, your marriage will be healthier, stronger, more satisfying, and it will flourish. The book of Proverbs says the way of the Lord is strength to the upright. When we do things God's way, it strengthens our relationships. It strengthens our marriage. It strengthens our life. Right? Again, you can go to the gym for a year. Get in good shape. You stop and you just sit around, stop working out, eat whatever. And how many of you know your body is going to begin to deteriorate? And the exact same thing is true when it comes to our relationships. We need to pursue. We need to do what God says, cleave to our spouse. Amen. Um, Anything else? Yeah, I just had a, a word that came to me this morning that I wanted to share um, I don't know where it fit in. I couldn't figure out where it would fit in, so I'll just share it. Um, but especially to the young people, I was reading in Isaiah 49, and, and he said, The Lord called me before my birth. From the womb, he called me by name. And, you know, we're talking about priorities in pursuit and pursuit and in the marriage relationship. But if you don't know your purpose, you don't know the purpose of your marriage, you struggle with making it a priority. You struggle with pursuing each other when you don't know that God has a purpose for you personally. And, and this, um, the Lord called you before your birth from the womb. He called you by name. He formed you in your mother's womb to be his servant. And I just thought, he formed you to be his servant. He formed you to be his servant. He did not... He did not uh, form you in your mother's womb to be confused or to be without purpose. He didn't form you to uh, 
be abused. He didn't form you to be mistreated. He didn't form you to mistreat other people. He didn't form you to have a miserable life. He formed you to be his servant. And um, knowing your purpose, he wants you to know you have a purpose. You are important. You are valuable. He knew your name when you were in your mother's womb being formed before you were born. And I don't know whether it's just the young people or, or maybe each one of us, God wanted to really let us know today that he knows the purpose he has for our lives. And we don't want to miss it. Amen. All right. Would you, would you bow your heads for just a moment? No one moving unless it's absolutely necessary. John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God knew we did not need a condemner, so he didn't send one. He knew we needed a savior, so he sent a savior. Many people, though, they feel condemned. They feel guilt. They feel shame. They feel separated. They feel alone. They're going their own way. But that's why God sent Jesus. He sent him to save you from that guilt, from that shame. And if you're here today and you at one point lived for God, but you have drifted away from the Lord, then this is for you. If you're here and you don't know where you stand with God, you're just like, I hope, I hope. The Bible says to know that you have eternal life, not hope. And if you don't know for sure that you're right with God, you're not where you should be with God. Or you're here and you say, I know I've never had anything to do with God. But today, you know in your heart that your heart is crying out for God. There is this God-sized vacuum on the inside of every one of us. And only God can fill that vacuum. If you're here and you say, I want to get right with God, listen. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. And after you lift your hand, we're going to pray together. And God is going to meet you today right here in this place. And we're going to pray. And when we say amen, you're going to be right with God. You're going to be forgiven. He's going to make you a new person on the inside. And you're going to be on your way to heaven. So this is what God wants you to know. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is not a way. He is the way. And he said he's the only way. All of your efforts will never make you right with God. All of my efforts will never make me right with God. There's just one way, and that's Jesus. And as you lift your hand today, the first thing that you're saying to God is this. God, I know I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. And I know there is only one, and that's Jesus. And I'm coming to him today to be saved. One. Secondly, as you lift your hand, you're saying, God, today... I'm going to turn my back on my old life. I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to go God's way. And it's going to be strength to my life. It's going to bring blessing into my life. Two. Now get ready. You lift your hand. You're saying to God today, God, today, by faith, I'm receiving Jesus into my heart. He's going to come into my heart. He's going to blood wash me from my sin. He's going to make me a new person on the inside, a part of your family, on my way to heaven. Three, lift that hand up. Say, pray with me. I'm not right. I want to get right today. Thank you. I see that hand and that hand and that hand. Are there others? Another here and another. Somebody else. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Others up in the balcony. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. More hands over here. Anybody else? 
Include me, Pastor. Include me. Thank you. God bless you. All right. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. Now, if you lifted your hand, or you should have and didn't, here's what I want you to do. I want you to move to the aisle that's nearest you. Bring the person with you. Bring your Bible, your purse, whatever you have. But come right down here. God is going to meet us right here. From the balcony, come on down. We're going to wait for you. Make your way down from the balcony. Come on. Over here, back there, over here. Come on. Make your way down. We're going to pray. And God is going to meet you today. Right here. Your life will never be the same again. Right? Jesus said, you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. Now, Romans chapter 10 in verse 13. This verse is going to change your life because of what God's going to do. This is what the Bible says. It says that whosoever, that means you, this is going to work for you. We'll call on the name of the Lord. Now, we're going to call on his name the way the Bible shows us to. And this is God's promise to you. We'll be saved. When we say amen, you are going to be forgiven. Your past is going to be gone. You are going to be right with God. And God is going to come into your heart, and he's going to put his life inside you. and You're going to be a new person on the inside. Right? Now, you say, well, what if I pray and nothing happens? Never happened. You pray this from your heart, and God will do exactly what he said. Right? You say, but what if I don't feel anything? doesn't matter. I mean, you know, feelings come and go. It doesn't matter. What matters is God promised you, and he cannot lie, that when you do this, he's going to forgive you. He's going to meet you right here. He's going to do something in your heart, and you're going to be a new person on the inside. All right. Now, everybody, take one hand. Please put it over your heart. Lift your other hand towards heaven, and let's pray with this group. Say, oh, God. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. For more information about Res Life, please visit our website at reslife.org. If you have questions about Res Life or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616-534-4923.